Welcome to the Living Waters Podcast. Here we are creating a platform to expand on what it looks like to live fully alive in Jesus Christ through interviews with people in our community, stories of struggle and process, testimonies of God's faithfulness, and deeper conversations on a variety of topics. It's our desire that through this podcast, you would feel inspired, connected, and equipped. Well, thank you for joining us, all of you listeners of the Living Waters podcast. I'm Jonathan Hillis here with Anthony McGarity, and it's a pleasure to be having this time together where we can um, discuss and we can ask questions. We can dive into the deeper whys of um, life, of culture, of mm-hmm. what God's doing in our life, of our stories, and with others and hearing um, what God's doing in this community. So thanks for joining us. We are transitioning now into our next theme of the unexpected. I'm really excited about this. And um, when we were planning what our podcast would look like for season two, um, I was really anticipatory of this because I knew what I would expect to happen wouldn't happen the way I was expecting. But it's always better that way. So even this podcast is starting off so unexpected, but it's terrific. I love it. So I want to spend a little bit of time wrapping up Living Scent series. Um, We had so many phenomenal conversations with some really incredible people who are so vulnerable, who Mm -hmm. showed up so well. Um, And... I think even just the caliber of people who are really engaging living scent um, in such an authentic way. And, and we talk about that, that like that living scent lifestyle is an authenticity because you're living fully connected. You're showing up physically, mentally, spiritually, like your whole heart is there. Um, and the caliber of people that we brought in are, are actively doing that. And as we've mentioned, living fully alive isn't mm-hmm. an arrival, yeah. but it's a process and yeah. um, how the whole flow of what we engage with fully alive to then living scent and hearing the the thing in your heart that God's put in you, that he's put his heart into us, that we can live in fully sent by yeah. partnering with the love. And I think I even said this to somebody the other day of like my truest expression of love is me accessing like what God's put in me, mm. which I think is that living scent concept. Yeah. Um, what do you have to say on that? No, it's so good. Of like even all these topics we talk about, um, you know, one thing we always say is like this is a process. We're people in process, and right. we're not getting to some arrival point of like, all right, we've talked about all these things, and now now you're perfect. It's like mm-hmm. no, this is a process. Living fully alive, it is a process. And I was talking to someone today of like. You know, the reality is like we have highs and lows Mm. in our life, but that doesn't mean that we can't live fully alive and living sense, you know, on assignment where God has called us to be. We have that reality of living fully alive Mm -hmm. and living sent is hard. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that like all good things will happen if I'm living fully sent, Mm -hmm. like sometimes it might mean you might have to do some really scary things and yeah. might mean you have to face some really tough things and, yeah um trusting in that like god you are Emmanuel. you're with me in the process mm-hmm. like and you've been faithful to my past so you're going to continue to be good and the promises my future like, yeah he's just continually leading us in that and um if you haven't had a chance to listen back at our living scent um theme in the last few episodes we highly encourage you to check that out because um, we really do want to try to weave this story of what 
um, we're engaging in that. We're bringing now um, this conversation into the unexpected mm-hmm. while still carrying some of these themes of uh, living fully alive and uh, living sense. So thanks yeah. for joining us. Um, Anthony, why don't you just start us up in uh, what to expect um, and what our heart is in, in this concept? Because obviously the unexpected like, what? Like we can. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> I can't even expect what you would say about that. Yeah, so. If I expect it, it's not unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> it's a paradox. Yeah. Ah! yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, no, even so, with the unexpected, um, really, it is just a continuation of, of the process of living life out. Um, and as we were just discussing this beforehand, um, we had some really good conversations of just like looking at um, some different stories from the Bible and um, also just our own experiences of, you know, what does, what does this life look like um, of encountering God in unexpected moments of right. seeing him show up in miraculous ways? And also like, how do we walk out that tension of, of when God doesn't show up the way that we expect want him to or right. expect him to? Yeah. Um, right. One of the things we were talking about is how with um, with Jesus, when he was walking the earth, um, you know, people were excited about him and they're like, oh, we have this great prophet and he's he's the king that we we were expecting to come and and they expected him to to overthrow the Romans is essentially what a lot of people were were believing for in him, and then he died and we're like, oh well that didn't really turn out so well because mm. now this now this guy that we were following thinking that he was going to overturn the Romans and finally the Jewish people would be free now he's dead so how yeah. are we supposed to reconcile this but the reality is like Jesus never came to conquer the Romans right. he came to do an entirely different thing he came to reconcile the people of God back to yeah. back to God to bring us back into relationship with the father and so it's like that's that's an example of of Jesus showing up in an unexpected way, where mm-hmm. it's like, ah, oh, Jesus is gonna come here. He's gonna kick some butt, right? And uh, yeah, we were know. laughing about uh, <laughs> Peter chopping yes. the guy's ear off because Peter's like, now is the time. Yeah, this is the time. Take Revolt. Take up your sword. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is like, sorry, like, man. I don't oh, know dude, what happened. I'm sorry there. about this guy. <laughs> he gets a little zealous sometimes. Here, here's your here's your ear back. Let yeah. me just put that back on, like you're a Mr. Potato Head, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, it's totally that tension of like, this is how God's going to show up, you yeah. know, and and then, you know, it doesn't turn out that way. And then you have a real question to ask of like, how do I then walk this out? Yeah, how do I posture my heart? Because mm-hmm. even as we've talked about in the past, even about what grief is, like there's a level of like grief that comes with when things don't happen in the way I expect. Yeah. If I hear like God's good. Or if I hear like my dad wants to bring me an ice cream Mm -hmm. and then something happens that feels like, well, maybe God isn't good or something happens that makes me feel like that's not trustworthy because Mm -hmm. he didn't give me that ice cream. Like there's a level of grief that comes with that. Yeah. And how do we navigate that? We've talked about like how grief is a vital part of life Mm -hmm. and like experiencing God in the midst of that is so important. So this is good. Yeah. And even like... Like when we talk about grief, it, it isn't like staying in that place of just like perpetual mourning and right. and downtroddenness, but it's grief is is a process to to take us through something, mm-hmm. you know, 
of like I'm not I'm not staying in this place. The reality is like I had an expectation that expectation wasn't met, and so now I need to walk through this process of healing, right. whether it's big or small. You know, right. like that example of like oh dad didn't bring me ice cream to mm-hmm. oh God didn't show up in the way that I thought he would, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. How can I how can I reconcile this if I believe that God is good all the time, that He is always good and He's always working for, you know, our good. Mm-hmm. Um, not that He's our genie, but just like He has a plan. You know, yeah. how you can know, I how can I walk that out practically? So as as we've talked about the different ways we could spin this discussion, um, it's just so relevant for us to talk about the raising of Lazarus. I think I just want to jump in just. I think you guys could go read this yourselves, but I'm just going to read it because it's just uh, 35 verses, um, John 11, verse 1. Um, and I, I think it's relevant just to read the whole thing because you get to hear about those moments where people thought, oh, Jesus, this is what you're going to do. Oh, Jesus, if only you would do this. Mm-hmm. Jesus, if you would have been here, then this wouldn't have happened. There's mm-hmm. all of these expectations put on Jesus. But then as the story goes on, then there's this like experience of mourning. Mm-hmm. And you then see Jesus grieve with the people. You see that Jesus gives his attention even. It says multiple times that like Jesus saw their pain, saw the sorrow. Mm-hmm. Like he, he looked and he felt that. Um, so we just want to jump into this. Here we go. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Even that, like, when I first read that, like, three weeks, well, it wasn't first, but read it again, I was like, Jesus, what? Why? Like, mm-hmm. what is your heart in that? It's just, yeah. oh, man. So... Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'll go and wake him up. Disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better soon. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Like even in that moment, you see the disciples not quite getting it because Mm -hmm. of their expectations. Yeah. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you really, you really will, really will believe. Come, let us go see him. Thomas nicknamed the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus, which isn't necessarily what Jesus meant, but continue. <laughs> See, it's just the common thing. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, I guess we're going to die <laughs> with Lazarus. <laughs> when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. 
at least she has faith. Good job, Martha. (laughs) Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will, even after dying, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she said. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from her mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went with him, with her. Uh, Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leaving so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus, seeing her weeping, and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. It's like three ver- three words, but so impactful. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus wept. He felt it. He was with them. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny because we keep laughing about it, but we do this in our life all the time. Yeah, you know? Jesus. Um, yeah, this is the New Living Translation, by the way. I'd encourage you to read it in different some different translations, but here we go. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe. So they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that you will believe that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I actually looked up, then Jesus shouted and what that shouted is. And um, I think I always pictured it as this very like tranquil, but like mm-hmm. loud shout. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look into it more, it's more of like a guttural, like your uh, neck is like tense, clenched, like mm-hmm. your emotions are being like belted out and like agony. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that it was that type of shout. And that just even just showed to me, how Jesus is continually in our process. Yeah. Like if he's Emmanuel, then he's with us. And yeah, like as we're talking about the unexpected and it being this tension, Jesus is with us in that tension showing up in radical ways. Yeah. Like that whole story, like there's so much into it because of like it being four days, it being mm-hmm. past a certain amount of days. I was normal for people to believe that someone could be raised. And, and yet like the way Jesus showed up was unexpected and people were like baffled at it. Yeah. But at the same time, he also like mourned with them, which yeah. is also baffling because like, Jesus, didn't you, couldn't you just raise him from the dead? And people mm-hmm. even said that. Yeah. They're like, why if is only, he crying? If only he had been here. If only he had been here. Yeah. Because he healed the blind man. Can he keep him alive? Yeah. Like just so many uh, ways that we see um, Jesus mm-hmm. and Jesus continues being like, Oh, that's so not my heart, but I love yeah. you. Yeah. It's almost like 
we can we can put all these expectations on on Jesus and but he's so good to love us through that process right in the midst of it exactly. yeah even like even when we miss the point mm-hmm. like he's so um, faithful to us in that process which is which is what we're talking about of like there are these these in between moments with God of like we where we hear a word from God to where we see it actually fulfilled yeah. and it's like how do we walk out that in between time we see that with Abraham and Sarah where they're promised you know a nation is going to come from your lineage right and they have no children right and it continues until they're old and they still have no children so they're like well we heard we heard God say this, you know, maybe, you know, we need to take this into our own hands. And so, you know, they try to do it their own way of mm. like, all right, well, just, you know, mm-hmm. take the slave woman and, you know, you'll ha- you'll bear a son through her and that'll be our son. And God is like, no, that's not the way. So just send the slave woman and the child away. And then finally, years and decades yeah. after the promise of God, finally... Sarah conceives Isaac, and mm-hmm. they have him. And then God says, now, Abraham, <laughs> sacrifice your son Isaac to me. <laughs> um, but we see on, in Hebrews, and in Hebrews it says that, you know, Abraham reasoned that if God could give him a son, mm. and if God was calling him to give up his son, that he could raise his son back from the grave. Yeah. And, and Hebrews says, like, and in a way he did receive his son back from the right. dead. You know, and so it's this reality of like, Whoa. you know, we 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 have these promises that are either straight from the Bible, or you know, we hear, you know, the voice of God promise us something, um, and the walking out of that process is is very um, often different than than what we would think it looks like. Yeah. Um, one of the stories for me is um, that's good. As I I um, you know, I I grew up here at Living Waters and in Ryan and Kate's youth group. And, you know, we're at Camp Crestry one year and having this amazing um, worship session. And I heard God so clearly, I was in middle school, and I heard him say that you're, you're going to be a youth pastor. Uh, that's what I'm calling you into. As a, as a like, what, 12 years old, you wow. know, I heard that call. Yeah. Um, and so I held on to that, you know, for all of, all the rest of my time growing up. And, um, you know, Ryan and Kate started um, Anthem, you know, School of Ministry, and mm-hmm. I was like, I know that that's the route that I'm going to take, and I'm, I know that I'm going to be in ministry. So I just did whatever I could to be a part of that. And so, you know, it was after high school, it looked like volunteering in the youth group, and you know, getting to work with amazing youth pastors, getting to work with the West Falls, getting to work with um, Tori and Kendra Wheeler. Yeah. Um, you know, and just all the different youth leaders that came through. It was like an amazing time. But that whole time I was waiting, I was waiting for my opportunity. When's it going to be my chance to to be a youth pastor here at Living Waters? Um, and, you know, that came with some real grieving because it did look different than what I expected. There you go. Um, yeah. And, but even in that whole process, it's like, as I've looked back, I was like, I might not have had the title of being a youth pastor, but I was faithfully serving in the youth ministry for like, you know, five or so years or more than that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, even though I didn't have the title, I was, I was doing the job in some ways, you know, Mm -hmm. of, of being faithful to the kids of leading small groups with them and getting to pray with them and getting to teach and lead worship and all those things. And even in the midst of that, I didn't see that I was living in the promise of God. I, because I wanted so badly the title. Mm. I was like, God, I want the title mm. of youth pastor. Or like like the this, arrival. this isn't yeah. enough. Yeah, I wanted the arrival. Mm. Um, 
And so at one point, you know, I, I don't think it was out of necessarily frustration, but I just didn't feel like I was going anywhere in life. And so I, I did the thing that any small town Oregonian does, and I moved to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> big city. I'm going to move to the big city. You'll see. Yeah. That's where, <laughs> That's all where my I'll make stuff it. Will happen. Yeah. I'll get famous. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my oh, me too. Yeah. I too. Yeah. <laughs> my time in Portland was good. Yeah. Like, there were good things that came from my season in Portland. I wasn't like, it wasn't like I went and lived this life of rebellion. It no, was just right. kind of like, I uh, just, you know, things aren't working out the way that I thought. So right. I'm going to try my hand in the big city. Yeah. Um, and good experiences came from it. Um, but even in that time there, I was still searching mm-hmm. of like, I heard this promise from you, God. I know that I'm called to ministry, but I don't know how to practically walk that out. Mm-hmm. And so just weighing my options, I looked at different ministries and things, and I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll go down to um, Bethel and go to their school of ministry. Um, and so I applied, and I was accepted, and, you know, I was all excited about that. And so I moved back down to Medford with the intention of, you know, saving up some money before I moved down there. Um, and then literally a week before I was going to move down there, uh, Ryan and Kate talked to me and they said, hey, we have this awesome opportunity <laughs> um, of where they we had just started um, leading out at Shepherd's Way in Ashland. And they're like, we would love for you to be the youth pastor there. There isn't a youth ministry, hmm. but there are, like, I think there were like four kids that were going to the church at the hmm. time who were in that age range. Wow. And so then I had... I had two really awesome opportunities in front of me. You know, I one I was accepted to Bethel School of um, Supernatural Ministry, Ministry, Supernatural yeah. Ministry, and I was like, "This is gonna, this would be an awesome opportunity." Whether I went for one year or I went for all three years, I know that there would be amazing fruit from that experience. Um, and then I, I had this other opportunity, which was literally a dream that I'd had since I was twelve years old, um, and I didn't. God wasn't telling me to choose either one of them. Hmm. It was, you know, do what you want to do. Both of them are available to hmm. you. And, you know, I eventually I chose to, well, very quickly, I chose to um, to become the youth pastor out at Shepherd's Way in Ashland. Hmm. Um, and it was a beautiful thing of, like, my my journey to that looked way different than I would have ever imagined. Hmm. You know, I, I would have never expected the journey that I went on to then be the youth pastor out of Shepherd's Way. And it was a, it was a beautiful t- uh, time that I had out there, and I absolutely loved it. Hmm. Yeah. It reminds me, when we were discussing just how many stories in the Bible like reflect our lives, and I was just like, that was so much of David, mm. where he's yeah. like anointed, he, you know, called out from the fields, yeah. brought in, as anointed a, to be king. Yeah, as a young guy. A young guy, yeah. yeah. And then, like, showing up and killing, like, so many of these incredible things. And then he's the heart player for Saul to mm-hmm. make the tormenting spirits go away. And then Saul gets all jealous and is mm-hmm. threatening to kill him and yeah. throwing spears at him. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he, David forgives him and is like, I yeah. mean, a lot of that sounds like these big extreme things. But mm-hmm. there's such a reality that David was so faithful to, like, yeah. the promise of the anointing. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways, like as a 12-year-old, there was like this promise of an anointing. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, God, how do I live this out? And I don't know if David ever thought playing a harp mm-hmm. could be a part of that. Oh, it's kingly. Yeah, you know? right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so kingly. Yeah. Look at me playing my harp. I'm so kingly. <laughs> oh, 
man, yeah. I'm going to throw some stones at this big guy. Yeah. So kingly. <laughs> so kingly of oh, me. Oh, man. That's but good. just that reality of like, he had this promise of God. He was anointed by the prophet of God to be the next king yeah. of Israel. And his process, his journey to actually receiving the kingdom of Israel yeah. looked completely different than anyone would have ever expected. It right. was like, all right, I was anointed king, so uh, the old guy's out, right? And I'm in. But it yeah. was like, no, like God took him on this journey. And even in that whole process, like we see like he had opportunities to take it into his own hands where he had right. an opportunity to kill Saul right. on multiple occasions and and he chose not to because he knew that that wasn't the way that God was wow. leading him to the throne. How often does that happen in our life where we're yeah. like, "Oh, you're calling me to do this? Okay, great, I'm going to do it." Yeah, I'm going to charge ahead and just do yeah. it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like that's kind of like that moment where right before you stands the mm. opportunity to become king, David, what are you going to do? Yeah. David's like I'm going to trust my timing yeah. because God would not tell me to kill this person in order to become the king. You're right. Like, no. It's like, that's not, that wasn't the heart of God in that, yeah. for that situation. And he learned the heart of God yeah. through that process even. Mm-hmm. And, and all the Psalms, like you see that struggle mm-hmm. and that, that um, tension that we're talking about. Right. Of, oh God, my enemies, why are they thriving while I'm suffering? Yeah. But, yeah. You are so faithful. You are so good, mm-hmm. you know. And there's like always this um, back and forth of the mourning once again and the mm-hmm. grieving once again, paired with this deep um, trust in God. Yeah, and to to proclaim the faithfulness of Him, the yeah. goodness of Him. Yeah, the reality is, it's the big a big piece of this of walking this out is is connection with the Father. Mm. Of like, I have to be connected to God in the process of life of where like, yes, like he's, he's going to drop promises in my lap. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of times there is a process to actually receiving that promise. And, and, you know, almost sometimes we make the promise so, uh, an idol in some ways, you know, where we lift, we lift the promise above God, right? Where it's like, God, you promised this and I want it. I want it now. (laughs) That's so good. Man. But in the kindness of God, he doesn't just give us those things, you know, of like, all right, here's here's everything you need mm-hmm. and everything you want. It's mm-hmm. like, no, we don't see that from God because we know mm-hmm. that, you know, even with raising children, it's like we don't give them everything they mm-hmm. want because we know it's not good for them. Yep. If I give a kid sugar just because oh he wants it all gosh. the time, Dude. it's it's not beneficial to his development. It literally feels like everything you just said is about my... Uh, story with Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> My wife. I, I don't know if a lot of you know about me and Rachel's story, um, but it's it's a long one. Um, <laughs> and I felt like before we started, like it was be relevant to share it because Rachel and I have almost been married eight years now. Mm-hmm. And just the other day we were like, can you imagine what it would have been like if we would have gotten married when like I first had a crush on her? Mm. Um which, I mean, I first had a crush on her when I was 15, so no. Yeah. <laughs> but like 18, I still had a crush on her. Yeah. And she had some thoughts of like, well, maybe I should. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should try it out. But like... I try this smuck out. <laughs> that's, that's how it would have been, for real. But the thing of like, uh, this is just a child. He's so immature. I know that I'm not going to just give this to Jonathan right now. And there was a lot of moments where I'm like, God, why don't you just give this to me? This, mm-hmm. this is... And not this is in Rachel, 
But mm-hmm. I actually, what I do mean just is like this, that. this relationship, this mm-hmm. connection, because it felt like I was continually fighting for a connection that I felt like there was something on that was beyond me. Yeah. And in some ways, um, it's weird to say, and I wouldn't say this for a lot of people, but like that relationship did feel divine in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And um, people then ask me, you know, like, oh, so did God like put you two together and like put you on the planet for each other? And I'm, I don't know. I don't know how I feel that way because ultimately there was a moment where I did have to choose connection with God. Mm-hmm. And and that's what you said, Anthony, so perfectly is there was a moment where my first year of Anthem, um, I was in the school, Rachel was in the school, and I was hardly connected to anything. Mm. Any Every time people asked me to do, do things, I did them, mm-hmm. but without my heart. And without yeah. being connected to God, it was mm. just doing them. And I yeah. thought I was performing really well. And I yeah. thought I would. Which is so, another thing, performance. Oh, performance, you know? <laughs> gosh. So much of my life. Yeah. Um, but definitely thinking like, oh, I'm going to earn mm-hmm. this relationship, truly. Yeah. Um, come back after year one of Anthem. And one of my leaders, uh, Eric Southmade, is like, dude, like you cannot do what you did last year. Yeah. And I knew exactly what he meant. Like he didn't have to give me detail. And basically what it meant was like, I need to give my heart to God. Yeah. I, I need to come into this place and lay down truly at the feet of mm-hmm. Jesus. Because there's a lot of ways that I was like tiptoeing. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that I looked like I was doing the right thing and mm-hmm. I could pray the right thing. And I right. which I don't discount the things that I prayed. I don't mm-hmm. discount the experiences and the ways that I impacted people's lives and the way I was impacted. I think the first year was a part of that process. Right. Um I think God was faithful through all that and probably laughed at me a lot. <laughs> like what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but I he's like, but I know you're just a little kid and I'm gonna grow you in this. Yeah. And he did. Um so um there was a moment where um, I I did have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And I had to say, like, God, I'm not going to pursue this relationship because I think that that's the thing that's going to bring me fulfillment. That's the thing that's going to, like, be what you've called me to. Instead, I'm going to pursue you. Yeah. And with no agenda. Mm. And I went on walks with the Lord. I was, like, encountering his intimacy like never before. There's times yeah. I would, like, I had a roommate that, wore no socks and wore shoes and his feet stank and (laughs) i would lay on the carpet in our bedroom and it just stank but there was Mm -hmm. moments where i was like literally breathing in the fragrance of god yeah and it was like incredible like i wanted to lay on the carpet for hours Mm -hmm. which is weird yeah but like that's such god's presence you know and Mm -hmm. that intimacy from that intimacy flowed so much connection to him yeah and like there was a sunday on Saturday, I wrote my journal like, I don't even think Rachel and I are friends anymore. I don't have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Next day, Rachel comes and talks to me. And we haven't talked for like three months at this point. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, we've been best friends for like five years. Yeah. Something like that. For She'd probably correct me on dates. I always exaggerate. <laughs> it's like <laughs> She was there. She'd t- she she tell you how she it was. Know. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Preface, this is my side of the story. You yeah. ask Rachel, everybody. You'll hear Tune in one. next week oh, for man. Rachel's side. <laughs> right. Seriously. Um, but then what was incredible was um, God had put on her heart just to be vulnerable, mm. just to be honest. It wasn't even to come to me and be like, you know what? I was so in the wrong. Da, 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 da. It was just like, you know 
I feel like God's telling me that my heart is changing towards you. Mm. And that's, that's all that she gave me. Yeah. Uh, but that was actually perfect for what I needed. And it was completely unexpected. Cause literally the day before I was like, I don't even think we're friends. Yeah. Next day she's telling me her heart's changing for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's funny cause at our wedding, some people were like, persistence paid off, buddy. Good job. And I'm mm-hmm. like, actually, no, yeah, not at all. I, fully laid down that relationship yeah. completely to pursue the Lord. Um, and I wouldn't say that that's like an equation because God doesn't work that way where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, if you just let it go. Oh, I just have get... to let it go. No, that's like, how it worked for Jonathan. No, because it's yeah. unexpected. Yeah. It, and, and that's how it worked for me. I'm not saying it's going to work, but yeah. uh, it was just incredible because it did come back to that connection with God, mm-hmm. like you said. And wow, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just as we kind of wrap up, I have uh, a few more thoughts. Yes, that go there. Just want to go. go um, there. I'm going to start with um, Hebrews 11, um, verse one and verse one through three. This is probably something a lot of people are familiar with, um, but it says, "Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of the things that we cannot see." Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, Mm. that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Mm. And then jumping down to um, Hebrews 12, again, verse 1 through 3, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Um, There are so many things in these verses, and all of Hebrews 11 is just like, it's known so as the rich. Hall of Fame, Hall oh of Fame of, of faith, where yeah. it just recounts the stories of of people from the Bible and their and their faithfulness. And the funny thing is, it's like it's not that we forget um, what some of these people did, like you know Abraham's highlighted mm-hmm. in in the faith, but but we know that he didn't do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. But we also know, like, I mean, just the reality of like these were people. And they didn't get it right all the time, right. but they've gone down in the hall of fame of faith because they lived their life in such a way where they were available to God, living sent, you know, mm-hmm. um, living fully alive and, mm-hmm. and walking in process with mm-hmm. God, um, being available. And God did show up in unexpected ways for them. And I love I love these verses because it, it you know it brings us back to like what's the whole point. The point is, it's good. I keep my eyes on Jesus. It's like when I lose sight of what I'm supposed to be doing. Is it, is it because God isn't doing His part, or is it because you know I lost sight of God? Have I have I stopped looking to Him? And you know, it's not about, you know, did I did I spend enough time in devotionals, or you know, did I right. did I worship enough? Did I pray enough? It's like no. This this is about a relationship, right. and the reality is like I do have my own part in the relationship. I have to I have to make an effort to interact with God. Otherwise, you know, I can just live out my days without God. You know, especially in America where most of us have it, you know, pretty okay at mm-hmm. least where we can 
I can live my life, I know, without God. Right. You know, I can I can do my things and, and I can get busy yeah, we'll with, totally with all of the things and, and I'll be fine. And we can thrive, quote and, unquote. You and know? then and I'll succeed. get to this point of like, oh, why am I so depressed? What am I missing? Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't spent any time with my father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's and it's not a shame thing, but it's just the reality of like, I need to live connected to God. It's like the reality is God is fully available to me and Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And I just need to make myself aware of that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I'll, we'll end with this quote yeah. um, from an autobiography of MLK that you know I read on and off. But it's so good. He was, he was just recently, um, an attempt had been made on his life, and he was just reflecting on the movement of the civil rights and his stance of nonviolence and walking as a, as a man of faith of how do we walk this out. And this is, this is one of the things he said. He said, I have constantly asked God to remove all bitterness from my heart and to give me the strength and courage to face any disaster that came my way. This constant prayer life and feeling dependence on God have given me the feeling that I have divine companionship in the struggle. Whoa. I love that. I have divine companionship, and that is that is such a reality. So and, you know, he is specifically talking about the civil rights. You sure. know, but the reality is like we do have friendship with God. We have mm-hmm. companionship with God, and that is something that you know we got to take that to heart. You know, it is something that is so true and so real. But we have to make ourselves available to that truth. Mm. Um, and he ends with this. He says, "I know no other way to explain it." It is the fact that in the midst of external tension, God can give an inner peace. Now, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This is our reality from the Bible. Jesus calls himself the Prince of Peace. And that in the midst of external struggle of where things are happening in my life, and, you know, there's always things that are trying to pull my attention and pull my gaze away from Jesus Mm -hmm. to distract me, um... And, you know, when I turn away from Jesus, it is easy to, to get disheartened, to, to feel heavy, to feel weighed down. But, like, what is that verse? That the burden of Jesus is light. And, you know, mm. his yoke is easy, his burden is light. That's yeah. the reality of, like, I'm called into a relationship with my Father. I'm called into a relationship with the Godhead. Um, and then I get to walk out the process of life, and I get to walk and run with endurance and not get tripped up by all these different things. Mm. Um, and it's not because I'm trying to perform, but just really like God is called the lover of our souls and I am locking my eyes on his eyes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that intense, that lover's passion of mm. like, I can see his love for me and my love for him. Mm. And it's like, that's what I'm focusing on. Mm. And like a good lover, he's going to show up in unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think some of the best times that I can love my wife is when I show up and mm-hmm. do some surprise, you know. Yeah. And um, and yet also show myself consistent, mm-hmm. which goes back to the tension. Yeah. Of uh, both and with yeah. like those incredible experiences and also like, all right, you're there with me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There's those incredible moments where like God heals someone right. instantly. Right. And then there's also the process of walking out the promise yes. that he's given me. Right. And... You know, I don't get it right away, but I do get to walk in a process with God. And just the reality of, like, relationship with the Lord is so much more important than any promise He could give me. Mm. So good. Yeah. Dude, this has been a terrific conversation. Um, looking forward to some of the stories and the interviews that we could have and really um, unpack this 
deep heart that we're seeing in the father mm-hmm. for us and how we can experience his love more fully. So thanks, Anthony. Thank you for this chat. Yeah. I look forward to more. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to connect with us more, check out our website at lwrv.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Living Waters Rogue Valley. Also, help us out and leave a review on iTunes or Google Play Music. We'd love to know what you think. Thank you for joining us and making Jesus famous. Until next time.